Zoom. Hello. Hello. What's today's date, Ms. Today's Kabbalah? date is July 5th, 2020. Wow. You celebrate your freedoms? It's a little bit ironic, don't you think? I think it's very ironic. But we're going to get right into the show. Mm-hmm. We have Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. It's the two witnesses. Two witnesses. Yes. Come down and witness before the seventh trumpet blows. Once that seventh trumpet blows, kaboom, really all hell breaks loose. And it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing here in the book of Revelation is... You know, you see the seven letters, and, and Christ is dictating those letters through his angel to John. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he squared them away and all this stuff. And then you start seeing like a summary of what's going down with the with the seals being broken, mm-hmm. right? Stuff that ha- has happened since, you know, Christ was resurrected. We've, we've had, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, with us this whole time. And then what you see is when he gets to that uh, that seventh seal, and now you have the seven trumpets. So we've been through all those seven trumpets, and this final trumpet brings the final woe. Once that final woe hits, it's boom. I mean, then it's happening. So from this chapter on, from Revelation, the book of Revelation, or the book of the Revelation, mm-hmm. correctly say it. I like that. Yeah. Uh, from this point on, chapter 11 on, everything is going to be the detail of what we just saw over the last couple of weeks in these previous chapters. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the detail of the judgment. It's the, these aren't different judgments. You're just looking at them more detailed and different perspectives and things like that. Right. So that the same judgments, only more precise. Yeah. Absolutely. More so, detailed. Yes. So this chapter 11 is pivotal. Mm-hmm. And there's a pivotal verse in here where it pivots where everything else is behind. And now everything goes forward from this point on. Right. And it gets into more detail explaining uh, God's judgment and things like that. But this chapter, like all the ones we've just read, is particularly a blessing, believe it or not, mm-hmm. to the church, to I'm not talking that organization building down the street that you go to. I'm talking the Bride of Christ, the The called out ones. Mm -hmm. Those who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, through faith, accepted that grace, that free gift, God's Holy Spirit, upon that acceptance of that free gift, God's Holy Spirit then entered into your heart. Mm-hmm. And it created a new creature. Mm-hmm. And now you have the law written on your heart and you follow and obey the leading of the Lord. And, Ms. Kapow, you know what's interesting? If you screw up, and I screw up daily, we have an advocate with the Father. Exactly. He paid the price already. Mm-hmm. The debt's been paid. So the Holy Spirit, we are promised, this is a promise. The Holy Spirit keeps us until that day of redemption. Mm-hmm. The day of redemption means a lot because he's going to come and redeem that which he purchased That's right. on the cross. So this is a beautiful chapter and that what we're going to see is, as before, we saw the sealing, 
on the forehead of God's people mm-hmm. before all wrath hits. What you're going to see here is a measuring of, of God's temple, of a protection. You're going to see the counting of the worshipers, mm-hmm. and that's for preservation. And then you're going to see the outer court. And those are those who are unsaved. The outer court are the unsaved. And when I say unsaved, it's not just, oh, we never heard the gospel. The unsaved are those who reject the gospel of Christ. Yes. You, you have to just, you literally have to say, I do not want to hear this. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't believe it. I don't want to operate in faith. Anything. And then you're going to see the separation here. And then at the, at the very end, that seventh trumpet blows. And then it, it just... It goes in a very bad way for the unsaved. But this is a glorious chapter. It's a beautiful chapter, right? Exactly. It's like your little face, Ms. Kapow. <laughs> uh, okay. So let me get onto the uh, screen share. It's going to take me a little bit of a second here uh, because I have to do this, first of all. There we go, Revelation chapter 2. Oh, looks and nice. then I have to actually go to my deal. Uh, and what are you seeing, Ms. Kapow? I am seeing two slides. Okay, you're seeing two slides. Mm-hmm. And um, this is always uh, a little interesting. i got to go to a new share. For some reason, it won't let me do... Uh, both, uh, but mm. here we go. Now, are you seeing? I see just one. Just the one. Mm-hmm. Now that's where we're at. That's the keynote presentation. Yay! Yep, and I like the uh, title, "Preserved, Not Tormented." Yes, and that's why this is a blessing. We're going to see. It's it's all about the gospel of Christ. the The book of the Revelation is all about Christ. Mm-hmm. And the gospel, uh, what what takes place, what took place, and what takes place for our salvation. It's not just some mystical book about doom and gloom and what's going to happen down here. It's always about the gospel. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that more and more, right about, right, Ms. Capel? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is prophecy. He is. Right? He's the spirit of prophecy. Thank you very much. See, that's why I love you. (laughs) Okay. So, let's go and get going here. Revelation 11.1, the two witnesses. Then I saw, then I was given a measuring stick, and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. Yes. Now, we're using the um, NLT. In the, new, in the King James, it's, he's given a measuring uh, rod, I believe, or a reed. I think it's reed in, in the King James. Yes, it is. And sometimes other translations have rod. It's a stick. What it is, it's, it's, it's a, a stick. It's a stick. rod. Yeah. It's something to measure with. Um, you know, he didn't say, go out in the garage and get the, the measuring tape. <laughs> if, if if one existed, then it, I'm sure that's what it would have been. But there's, I want you to notice there's three things that are measured. There's the, the temple of God. There's the altar, and then the worshipers are counted, but it, they're measured in that count. Okay, right. so it's, it's, it's um, here we go. So we have the three things that are measured in that first verse. 
measuring the temple, measuring the altar, and counting the worshipers within that temple of God near the altar. All right? And it is measured because it's going to be separated and preserved from the outer court, as we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Now, Ms. Kapow, I wish we had more time because I know you would love to read Ezekiel. 40 through 42. Yes. <laughs> and these are chapters. And so we don't have the time to read chapters of, of books. But if you that are listening and watching <clears throat> want to do so, go to Ezekiel chapter 40 through 42. And you will see that this measurement that we're reading here in um, Revelation is the, uh, the, the it recalls a lot of what Ezekiel's vision had on this measurement. And I did read it. It is very Old Testament. You can see it. Mm-hmm. And But here, the measurement indicates the preservation of the temple. In Ezekiel, it indicated the restoration. Because remember, that was right before the Babylonian takeover mm-hmm. and destruction of the temple of 586 B.C. So that temple's being measured for restoration. Okay. So we have the temple of God. Uh, we believe that that temple of God is a symbol of the church, the real called out one, the ecclesia, the bride of Christ. That's right. And we have Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, I'll have you read. And also 1 Peter 2 and 5, I'll have you read both of them. And you could start with Ephesus. Okay, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Mm. So you can see here, that's why we believe that the temple of God spoken of here in Revelation is referring to those Christ followers, those who are in Christ mm-hmm. and um, what we, we would call the Ecclesia, the church, mm-hmm. which that name has been hijacked, obviously, to mean a building or organization or something like that. Yeah. Even the Apostle Paul um, mentions that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes. Yeah. And when you start looking at it that way, and I don't want to get off track, but you start looking at, um, you know, is it Second Thess uh, about uh, the man of lawlessness mm-hmm. sitting in the temple like he's uh, God and acting like God and everything. You just wonder: is that man of lawlessness not is, is he not sitting uh, within the the bride of Christ within mm-hmm. the called out ones? Because in context, you're talking about a great falling away and apostasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm starting to make sense. Humanity, right? Uh, right. Self. Yeah. So now we're going to look at uh, another supporting scripture, First Peter two five, so that you know we're not just whack and making stuff up. <laughs> and you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Yes. Pretty clear that uh, 
two the New Testament writers saw the church, saw the called out ones as the temple of Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, you're up, Ms. Kapow, for Revelation verse 2. Okay. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. So you can see that in verse 1, he's told to measure the temple, the altar, and count the worshipers. Mm -hmm. Now, in this next verse, he's told not to measure the outer court of the temple. So there's a distinct separation here. Where we find this beautiful in the gospel of Christ, that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, received by faith and understanding that beautiful gospel, that beautiful uh, work, that mm. redemptive work that God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ, to That's reconcile right. us back to himself. We are in the temple, near the altar, those that are counted. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about the rest of this stuff. This is information only, okay? Information that we should be telling other unbelievers and doing shows like this and however you can to get that gospel message out. It's That's, the good news. It's the good news. You can avoid not being measured, <laughs> okay? That's why the title of this, uh, this particular podcast is... Um, Preserved, not tormented. Yes, Preserved Not Torment. Thank you, Ms. Kapow, because I kind of forgot what we, <laughs> what we entitled it, right? <laughs> okay, so do not measure. So, what we looked at before is three things were measured, right? Temple, the altar, and the people. Worshippers were counted. This is one thing that's not measured. One thing. And that is the outer court. It's not measured. It's not preserved. It's destined for destruction. What's in the outer court? Well, Paul's, this is, this is my looking at this, because uh, I'm always looking at apostasy and things like that. Uh, what this is showing me is that it's attached to the temple. So it's not just the world. You know, it's not just a pagan, you know, unregenerate man that this is also includes false worshipers. Mm -hmm. There's only two religions, right? There's the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to the father. That's through Christ. We heard Joel Osteen say yesterday on a video. Oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. Oprah had asked uh, Joel, is Jesus Christ the only way to the father? And he said, yes. And that would have been good if he would have stopped there. But no. <laughs> he said, yes, Jesus is, is the only way to the Father. However, there's many paths to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. It was, it was brilliant deception. Yay, Joel. You're getting better and better at your stupidity. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's outer court stuff. Okay, that's, that's outer court stuff. Uh, that's of, not, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's not measured. Go because uh, in, in the book of John, it says that um, God the Father uh, desires worshipers, those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 
So what we have here is the outer courts containing the nations, according to the book of the Revelation, or those who are not part of the temple of God. See, it's, it's, they're, it's attached to the outer court, but they're not really part of it. Those who are not really saved. Okay, I think this is this you're gonna find a lot of the Lord Lord, didn't we do this and do this? Did we dream dreams? Right? Right now the internet is exploding with some dude who's dreaming dreams, right? Mm. It's all over Facebook, it's all over Twitter, it's all over YouTube. Thousands of people. I've been sent these videos myself about some dude dreaming dreams about the end times. Um this this ain't that ain't what it's about. Mm-mm. It's the gospel. The focus is on Jesus Christ always. always. Not guns and animal anim, ammo. Not guns and ammo. And, and not fear porn. Mm-hmm. Not fear. It, when you read this, there's nothing to fear because you're measured. Mm-hmm. You're counted. The only time you have to fear and get guns and ammo and stock up on food and get ready for civil unrest is if you're on the outer court. Right. That's the only time you really need to be afraid. That makes sense? Make a sense. Um, and that video is by a guy named Pastor Dana Covingstone. Covingstone. You know what I'm talking about if you if you run across it. It's it's BS, folks. Disregard it. Uh, the outer court, so it contains the nations. These are outsiders. They're hanging out in the temple complex of God, but they're not really part of the intercourt. And they're false or unsaved religious organization calling themselves a church or calling themselves Christians, or it's the world. It's the unregenerate world. It's the same thing. There's only two religions. There's the real one, mm-hmm. and then there's paganism. There's, there's the Babylonian whore. So no matter what kind of label you put on it you could even put i'm an atheist i'm a deist i'm a agnostic or i'm hindu or i'm a cultural christian it don't matter if it's not the gospel if it's not biblical christianity which is christ jesus as our savior period 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 and obeying the commands of christ jesus Mm -hmm. the, the law in your heart and uh, those things aren't about making money and making wealth and doing all that stuff. So anyway, they call themselves a church or Christians. They So they are not counted. They're not counted. They're not measured for preservation. Rather, they're destined for God's, God's wrath. wrath. All right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting. Uh, man, there's some good studies on this 42-month thing. And I, I'm, I'll tell you. I did not know this. I used to read this all the time, uh, the 42 months, because the next verse is going to talk about the witnesses prophesying for 1,260 days. And I thought they were just uh, numbers. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, who, who understands that stuff? I didn't understand that the 1,260 days is equal to the four months. It's, it's the same thing. You know, why it's said differently in one area than the X, I don't know. But the 42 months is found all throughout the book of the Revelation, uh, mm-hmm. 42 months. And I didn't quite realize how, just how everywhere it's at. We're not going to get into all that stuff in this study today because we'll be here all night. But you would have loved that, Ms. Capel. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all those little ties. Yeah, There's all, all kinds of little ties, man. So 
42 months is three and a half years. It's, um, it's one half of seven, remember, because that's God's perfect number, seven. So three and a half years is one half of that seven. So it's symbolizing what is not full or mm-hmm. final. It's incomplete. It's still temporary. So the Gentiles trampling for 42 months, they're there, but it's not complete yet. Right. And so it derives from Daniel's, in the book of Daniel, he says there's a time, uh, two times and half a time, or some translations, times, times, and half a time. Mm -hmm. It's three and a half years. The three and a half year period when the temple was to be profaned Mm -hmm. in Daniel 9.27, John affirms the true temple, which is the church, will be preserved during this Gentile onslaught. That's right. Now, there are some believe, and, I, and I'm kind of leaning towards this way, that it's not a literal three and a half years. It's, it's symbolic of half of perfection. Mm-hmm. It's still ongoing. It's not quite there. You know what I mean? Rather than locking into three and a half years or 42 months, you start doing that and you start trying to f- figure it out historically what he's talking about. And that may not be necessary. Uh, the, the big problem we have is we don't have the Jewish church with us anymore, the first century Jewish church anymore, to explain a lot of these Hebraism, Hebraisms to us. Yeah. You know, uh, that's, just, that's just me saying that. I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I kind of lean more towards it being a symbolic number, you know, 42 months as, as incompletion um, for God's work. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an interesting study, though, Ms. Kapow. If you get a chance, look at that 42 months and then look at uh, the JFB like commentary. He has all kinds of rabbit trails, man. You can trace <laughs> rabbits and butterflies all day long. Oh, good. Okay, uh, verse 3. And I will give power to my... Two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those 1,260 days. So now it makes sense. Uh, they will prophesy during those 1,260 days, which is referring to the four months that the Gentiles are trampling the outer court. Okay, that's who they're prophesying to. Um, and a lot of you are, are like guessing, you know, well, who are these two witnesses? Who are they going to be? And there's a lot of stuff. And so I'll clear that up for you right now. The two witnesses are Miss Kapow and myself. <laughs> and uh, we, we are dressed in burlap. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have, uh, yeah. And I have like power to do stuff. <laughs> so don't mess with me. Just kidding. Well, somebody's going to take that out of context. Call me a heretic. And I'm going to laugh. <laughs> All right? All right. Okay. So here's the question, Ms. Kapow, that only you have the answer to. Mm-hmm. Who are they, the two witnesses, prophesying to for four months or 1,260 days? Those The nations in the outer court. Yeah. The nations... Who are trampling the city for the four months or 1,260 days. That's who they are prophesying to. They are not prophesying to you and I. We are in the inner court. Measured, counted, preserved. I, 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 and I know um, 
that these two witnesses actually torment these yeah people yes yeah it's um the the, the nations the outer court people let's call them the outer quarters the outer quarters the outer quarters uh cannot stand these two witnesses they just bringing trouble and problems uh to their little world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you can imagine yeah what they're saying prophesying over them yes exactly uh, the power they have mm-hmm. uh so we don't we don't know who these two witnesses are right? if they're literal symbolic we don't we don't know here's some guesses that uh, some commentaries and, and other scholars throughout history have put together. Um, these are traditions. Some of these are, you know, it's not biblical. It's not solid. They're traditions. Some believe um, the two would be Enoch and Elijah. Reason being, Enoch was translated or raptured and so before was Elijah. death. And so was Elijah. So the mm-hmm. only two men in the Bible that didn't taste death. Um, so that's sometimes it's believed that so they would come down, do their thing, and then eventually taste human death. You know. Some believe Moses and Elijah. And you get that from the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, the the disciples saw Moses and Elijah. Con- and I just love conversing. that story about Moses when he died, the Lord is the one that buried him, and no one was ever able to find his body. Yeah, and that's the other thing, is they kind of think, well, maybe Moses, you know, was taken up, and that's why I couldn't find his body. But but you have, uh, I think it's in Jude, uh, where yeah. Michael is disputing with Satan uh, for the About body the of body. Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Plus, the Old Testament says that God buried him. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> so. that raptured him. Yeah. 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 So you you have that. Um, I've also heard that the two witnesses are the law and the prophets. That kind of goes with Moses and Elijah, the law giver and Elijah, you know, the prophets. Uh, that those are those are the two that are witnessing. So that's a symbolic approach. Uh, all of these have their interpretive problems, as you can see. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you say the two witnesses were Brother Kapow and Miss Kapow, then. You have no interpretive problems. You just go, I, heard I knew it. it. I heard it on YouTube. <laughs> it's got to be true. Uh, and we okay. heard it from your own lips. Yeah. We can get some more burlap. I, <laughs> burlap's kind of comfy. You know, if it's washable. It's breathable. Mm-hmm. I wear it on my face for a COVID mask. <laughs> um, celebrate my freedoms. 1,260 days is 42 months or three and a half years. You can see Daniel 7.25, Daniel 12.7. And this period may be interpreted as fullness 7 that is arrested halfway. So it's imperfect. It's not there yet. It's impermanent, impermanent, and it's not necessarily to be taken in a numerical, literal manner. You can if you want. You can search history and try to find this in there or say it's going to happen in the future. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I kind of lean more towards it's symbolic of imperfection. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. These aren't matters of salvation. These are matters of trying to interpret the book of the Revelation. Yes. Verse oh. 4. 
These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. Yeah. So now you start getting weirder and weirder, right? <laughs> so the two olive trees is taken right out of Zechariah. Hmm. The two olive trees, two lampstands, stand before God, are the eschatological agents of God at work on earth. It's a symbolic description of the witnesses is derived from Zechariah's vision concerning Zerubbabel, and the governor, and Yahshua, the high priest, who are described as standing beside the Lord of all the earth. That's in Zechariah 4.14. That says, Then he said to me, They represent the two anointed ones who stand in the court of the Lord of all the earth. So that's why I said, you know, the book of the Revelation is so Old Testament like if you just take the revelation and just read it as a standalone book uh, you're really going to go sideways trying to figure this stuff out yeah, you, you have to you have to view the book of revelation through the lens of the old testament and um and then of course when you do that it's like like this this vision of Zechariah you have to have some understanding of what was going on and why it was going on, what was said, what was being said, and, and then again, why is that applied you know, to these, these two witnesses? Um, so it's almost like the biblical prophecy, as it was then, it will be like in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, it, it's, just, it's just a warning. If you, you take on something like Revelation, you have to be able to take on these Old Testament um, references that are in there they can't stand alone right that's why it don't make sense to a lot of people okay uh verses five six and seven i combine these because uh you know there's a lot here so i just kind of generalized them now good good good, yeah. good okay so verse five if anyone tries to harm them fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies this is how anyone who tries to harm them must die they have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. There's that whole torment thing, right? Mm -hmm. When they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit ugh, will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. Like you pointed out, it's torment. They're tormenting the people on earth. A lot like Elijah did. Mm -hmm. He prayed, and there was no rain. And when he prayed again, then it rained. Mm -hmm. Moses, when Pharaoh wouldn't let the children of Israel go, Moses brought all these plagues, blood in the water, um, you know, all this stuff. So it's it's very much like Moses and Elijah. That's why I can see the two witnesses, many people believing it's Moses and Elijah. Yeah, and the plagues. Remember Moses and the plagues. Yeah. 
<coughs> so it could it could literally be these two people, these two men back, or this could be symbolic of what's going to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, the pestilences, the plagues. You know, who knows? Anyway, we just know that this is this is the direction God is taking the outer court, mm-hmm. the unbelievers. Uh, the other thing this is interesting here is in verse seven here. This is the first time we hear of the beast. There's no introduction to the beast. There's no uh, nothing to describe what this beast is. It just comes out of nowhere, and it says when they complete their testimony, this beast that comes out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he'll conquer them and kill them. What's interesting is that's why I say this chapter is pivotal, pivotal because from here on out, it's detailed descriptions of, of what happened what you just read. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's it's chapter 13 and there's a lot of other chapters where we're reading about this beast right. coming out of the bottomless pit. He's introduced in detail later on. But for right now, this is the first time we see the beast. This ain't a different beast than there was in chapter 13 and others. It's the same guy, same mm-hmm. beast. We see that he's going to kill these two witnesses. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Already said this that what we just read, they're reminiscent of Elijah's ministry. That could be found in 3 Kings 17. That, we don't have 3 Kings. It has to be 2 oh, Kings. I'm sorry. That was my Kapow Bible. <laughs> yeah, I wrote my own Bible and I thought, you know what? 2 Kings ends weird. Let me, let me make another. <laughs> Let me make another book. Uh, I call it the Corona. Uh, it actually looks like three kilograms, huh? It does. Okay. You know what? The drugs were good in the 60s. So I'm saved now, but the drugs were good. And the plagues that God visited upon the Egyptians through Moses. Is there an X-711? I believe so. Okay. Get away from my slippy machine. Oh, you shouldn't say that. That's... That's not nice. That's racist. (laughs) Uh, Verse 8. Verse 8. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies, and no one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. So these two guys are just, like you said, they're tormenting the heck out of the outer quarters. They can't stand them. So when they're finally, you know, dead, they just leave them dead, man. Just no one bury them. Uh, And it's clear, uh, it's without question, that where this takes place is on the street of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It's clear. It, it doesn't say symbolic Jerusalem. It says Jerusalem. It does say that the city is figuratively or symbolically called Sodom in Egypt. It's the city where their Lord and our Lord was crucified. That's Jerusalem. So that's clear. I, I don't, you know, there's no way around that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can't be, oh no. There go Tokyo, here come Godzilla. It's got to be in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So my advice is 
if you're if you're an outer quarter, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> Bad things are gonna happen. Uh, so then you know you you got you got these outer quarters gloating and giving presents, celebrating Christmas, whatever they're doing, the death of the prophets. You know, I don't know. I can't give details on this. I have no idea what this is, what it really means, what's going to happen. Um, but it no good. But it no good. You, you know, you look at it literally. Um, no good. Once well, again, it's the great city. It's where our Lord was crucified. It's clearly Jerusalem. Now, Jesus says in Luke thirteen thirty four, and I'll have you read that, Mr. Capel, the next slide, okay. that that's the city that kills the prophets. Interesting. Because here in the book of the Revelation, there's two witnesses, and they have prophetic gifts, and then they're killed in the city. It's like Sodom and Egypt, Jerusalem becomes self-sufficient and rebels against God. Verse 9. The peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations represent the whole world in rebellion against God. They rejoice at the sight of the dead prophets because the prophets' preaching had tormented the rebels' consciences. Yeah. So let's read Luke 13, 34 and see what Jesus said about Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. I was uh, thinking about that. Uh, I was just thinking about Stephen. Yeah. How they stoned him. Yeah. Perfect example. Mm -hmm. uh, killing them. And then it was the blood of, uh, was it Benaniah? Ben uh, they were slain between the altar and the mm -hmm. wall. I, I mean, yeah. Heck, they were trying to kill Jesus from day one. Yep. <laughs> uh, Revelation verses 11, 11, 12, and 13. But after three and a half days... God breathed life into them, and they stood up, and terror struck all who were staring at them. <laughs> then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. Seven thousand people died in that earthquake, and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Yeah, there's some stuff going on there. And once again, I can this verse 11, you see that three and a half days, you know, you, you see that 1,260 again, or 42 months, or three and a half, that, that imperfection there, that God then brought it back to life. They stood up. Everybody's scared, because I love that, all who are staring at them. So I could just, uh, you know, just staring at them. Uh, come up here, and they rose, and... Almost Man. like gawking. Yeah. You know? Then at the same time, you got this huge earthquake down here on Earth that destroys a, a, a lot of the city and, and uh, 7,000 people. See, that's a perfect number. 7,000 people died in that earthquake. Revelation 14 and 15. The second terror is past, but look. 
the third terror is coming quickly. Mm-hmm. The seventh trumpet brings the third terror. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. And the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And you remember the angel in the, in the previous chapter standing on the, the water and the earth, and he, he's holding a little scroll, you know, eat. It tastes like honey, but it's bitter in the stomach. And uh, there, there was seven thunders. He told John, don't write this down. You know, but you, you have the kingdoms of the world being just consumed and gathered and then handed back over to Father. And so from this point on, you're going to see everything we've just talked about in the book of Revelation come to fruition in detail. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not additional prophecies. They're not additional things. They're what we've already read, but in detail with different perspectives. Okay, so that was that second terror. Remember, woes, there's three of them. That was the second one. Uh, and then this, this third one, he says, is coming quickly. Mm-hmm. And that is the seventh trumpet. Remember, he broke the seventh seal. Mm-hmm. There's seven trumpets. We went through all the trumpets. This is the last one. This is the coup de gras. Boom, he blows that trumpet. Then there's all kinds of bowls and other things that go on. But it's all judgment from here on out. Um, we saw where the the people of God were sealed, mm-hmm. you know, and taken up and removed. And here we see the 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 court to God's temple, God's altar, the worshipers are measured and counted and separated out from the outer court. So all this stuff happens from here on out to the outer court, the out, out quarters. Right, Ms. Cabal? That's right. So that's that, uh, you know, that seventh trumpet, and it brings that third terror, and literally all hell breaks loose at that point. Stuff we won't see, like like our good friend Pastor Tucker says, you won't be here. No, you're not going to be here. So we're reading this, telling people about it, so that the Holy Spirit, somewhere, Lord willing, somebody hears this and says, I don't want this to happen. I don't want any part of this. How how do I obtain eternal life? I I need to look into Jesus. Yes, exactly. And, uh, and, and and get in that inner court, that inner temple, right? Mm-hmm. So because after this, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, his Christ, and then he's going to reign forever and ever. That is uh, the end game. So this next slide says the pivot point because that's the pivot point. From here on out, Revelation, the book of the Revelation is going to detail what we just talked about from day one, from the letters, chapter one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way up to this point. Okay? Okay. Yay! So from now on, it's the judgment of God. So if you want to study the judgment of God, try to figure out what frogs are and prophets, (laughs) blah, blah, you know, you know, knock yourself out. But I think for us, I don't think we're going to go any further. I think we are going to uh, move on to to other things like grace mm-hmm. and the, stick with the gospel at this point because there's enough stuff going on in the world right now where we have to try to speculate what's happening. 
Yeah. And uh, here we're just going to let let it play out. And like you always say, Ms. Kapow, as it gets closer, you start looking at this and going, ah, I'm getting understanding now. Yeah. I believe Rather that. than speculate and guess and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, these heavenly voices, which introduced an interlude with the scene shifting back to heaven now, we're back to heaven, provide for us the pivotal verse of the whole of Revelation. Once again, just like in 10, 5, 7, um, and I'll have Ms. Kapow read that in, in the next slide. Uh, that's, that's where that, that seventh angel, by the way, blew, the, blew his trumpet. And that mysterious plan of God is revealed. Mm-hmm. It's announced just like he did to the prophets. That's, that's that, those verses in chapter 10. So just like that, the proclamation is made that the fullness of time has arrived. It's seven. Seven. Fullness mm-hmm. of time, seven. Right? The kingdoms of the world are subject to the kingdom of God. It's like what Daniel says. When that stone not made with hands comes and hits them toes and the feet and it all crumbles down. Where's my hand? It all crumbles down. <laughs> my hand was lost to the side. It all crumbles down. Then that that rock becomes a great mountain and fills the whole earth. And there's no other kingdom after that. There's nothing else. It's eternity. God's eternity. That's where you want to be. That's right. Okay. The kingdoms of the world are subject to the kingdom of God. This is the mystery of mysteries alluded to in chapter 10, verse 7, which Ms. Kapow is going to read, which our Lord himself mentioned as recorded in John 12, 31. The judgment of the world and the casting out of Satan is effected by the crucifixion. Yep. The voices state this has already occurred once and for all at Calvary. That's right. It's done. Up to this point, Revelation, or the book of the Revelation, has recorded only the prelude to God's judgment. From now on, the book records the judgment of God in all its power. And I bet you that's dunamis. Yeah. Uh, I didn't look up the word, but I bet you it is. Yeah, it's, it certainly isn't exousia. It's not authority. It's, it's, it's probably due to us. So, uh, yeah, the book records the judgment of God and all its power. So, Ms. Kapow is going to read Revelation 10, 7, because this is the mystery of God. When the seventh angel blows his trumpet, God's mysterious plan will be fulfilled. It will happen just as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. Okay, so this is a verse that's in the previous chapter. We, we read this two weeks ago. That tells you that when that seventh angel blows that last trumpet, that's the mysterious plan of God. It's all fulfilled. It's now seven. It's not 42. It's not 1,260 days. It's not half times times and a half. It's fulfilled. It's seven. It's perfect. And it's going to be, it's going to happen exactly as he announced it to his servants, the prophets. So if we want to know what's going to happen, we, we can't listen to Pastor Dana Coving stone or whatever, having dreams after consuming a lot of news. What we have to do is look at the biblical prophets and see what was going on there in the Old Testament, what's going on in the New Testament, 
and we can start putting it together. Outer inner cord stuff, right? So now we have in chapter 11, this last verse that we do, you know, we just read here. Now you have the blowing of the seventh trumpet. <gasps> okay, Ms. Kapow. Okay, Revelation eleven sixteen says, The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped him. Revelation eleven seventeen, And they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and who always was, for now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. You know, it's interesting. It's... The one who was, the one who is, you know, the Almighty. You're, you, you are who you are now. You and you were. There's no the one who is to come. No, we re- mentioned that that last week. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pointed that out. It's like you're right. It's not in there. Well, now that you you study chapter eleven, well, yeah. There's no more. This is it. It's it is like what Daniel says that. Stone not made out of hands hits those feet. It all comes crumbling down. That stone turns a big mountain. There's no other kingdom after. It's it. It's, and who it's, always was. That means that he he is the eternal God with yeah. no beginning and no end. Hmm? Yep. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, isn't this? The whole gospel of, of God here. It's powerful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's really powerful. If, I've never viewed the book of the Revelation quite like this. Mm-hmm. So you have the 24 elders. They celebrate the consummation of God's kingdom in the heavenly liturgy. It carries a message of consolation to the church. That's what I was talking about. This is good news for us. And those who destroy the earth are the morally wicked, the unsaved. I don't think they're talking about uh, non-tree huggers or people who, who drive a big Chevy no, these are those that when you destroy the earth, you're sinning. Yeah. You know, it's the sin, the wickedness that destroys the earth. These are these, are these little serpent guys who are running the earth, destroying everything. This, this is the, yeah, all the, all this COVID mass man, all this stuff. These are these guys. Well, it's destroy. You don't destroy people's livelihood, their economy. You, you don't destroy them unless you're wicked. You're, you're an outer quarter. You know what I mean? That's 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 what they're talking about. They're not talking about tree huggers or non-tree huggers, or if you don't drive a Prius. Yeah, it's not that. No, the the tr- because remember, even with Abel, when Cain murdered them. Yeah. The the Lord said it, um, his blood cried out from the earth, you know. Yeah. And it's polluted. Yeah, it's like uh, you know in the Old Testament. You know they call the heaven and earth the witness, good stuff. So there's there's something there mm-hmm. about that. Uh, and plus, you know, in Romans, Paul talks about uh, creation groaning, groaning. See? for for the revelation, the revealing of the children of God. Mm-hmm. So the true church is the bride of Christ. The saved are measured. They're counted, they're preserved. The false Christianity, the pagans pretending pretending to attach to the temple of God are written down for destruction and the wrath of God. 
The rest of the book of Revelation bears this judgment out. That's, that's, that's what you'll see. I think we got one last verse. Boom. 18. And the nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. And I think this still is still harkens back to, you know, the, uh, the martyrs under the altar crying out for vengeance. How long, O Lord, until you avenge us for what the inhabitants, the earth dwellers did to us? Mm-hmm. And here you have it. It's time to reward the servants, your prophets, as well as all the holy people. Everybody who fears your name. And it's time to destroy those who cause destruction. All right? We do have another verse. 19. Yeah. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. This is interesting. It really is because here you have the temple that's measured, so it it, kind of goes back. To verse 1, the temple had been measured, the, the altars measured, and the worshipers counted, separated out. So then here we are in heaven, and this is the temple of God, which we've, we've established earlier as us, the church, right? And it's opened, and the ark of his covenant could be inside the temple. Now, to me, that's just pregnant with the Old Testament Jeremiah and Isaiah saying, I'm going to do a new thing. And I am going to circumcise your stony flesh, right? And I'm going to write the law on your heart, Amen. on your insides. And so here we have in, in verse 19, this temple. And if we, in fact, are the temple like we established in verse 2 through Ephesians and Peter, there's, there's, no, there's no sense in going back to a, a building at this point. We've already established the temple being... The worshipers, the church. So if if we're opened up in heaven, and God's and and God's could and what could be seen inside of us is the ark of the covenant. It, the actual what was in the ark of the covenant, the the decalogue, the Ten Commandments, the budding of Aaron's rod. The, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The manna. Mm, yeah. You see what I'm getting at? All of that stuff will, is in us. And it's opened up. And we're like, wow, I didn't know I had all that in me. Because mm-hmm. I was struggling down there. <laughs> I was having a hard time down there. I, I didn't know I had a budding rod in there. But now I do. It's pregnant with that. Now, I'm not saying that's the, the correct interpretation or not. But Brother Kapow sees, sees that in there. I see at least some kind of connection to that. I do too. Yeah, to, to the law being written on your heart because you became a new creature in Christ, see? This is the gospel. You became new, not renewed creature, not a redone creature. Not You became a new creature. Mm-hmm. You're brand new. You're not Adam anymore. You're a new created being. Yes. And then he put this stuff inside of you, the Ark of the Covenant, his covenant with you, right? His covenant with you says... I'm going to reconcile you to me 
in this fallen world, and, and, and here's how I need to do it. Mm-hmm. I am going to send my son, God. In the, the flesh. In the flesh to represent sinful man, yet he knew no sin. But he became sinful. Uh, yes. On he, that cross. He became sin for us on that cross, and he paid our Death. debt so that the rest of the book of Revelation on the wrath, we are not part of. We are not appointed to that. You've been counted and measured. That, my friend, is the good news. Mm-hmm. We have good news for you in this time of COVID and civil unrest and financial collapse and people going crazy and the loss of love and it's going to get worse and worse. It's not getting better. The church has lost its foundations. They're out of their mind. They can't meet. They don't know what to do. There, there's no help anywhere except here. Mm-hmm. I got good news for you. This is it. Mm-hmm. Get into Christ. Get into that grace. Yeah, we're suffering down here. But it's, look at this. But it's only for a very short yeah. time. Even, even, even the whole book of the Revelation. I need to show you what soon must come. Mm-hmm. These things which will soon be. Right? right. So this is, to me, this is beautiful. The, 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 the heavens open. The temple of God is open. That means us, his church, it's open. He can look in now. He can see, goes, hey, there's my ark. There's my covenant. They've kept my covenant. I've given them the Holy Spirit and they and, and to preserve them. <laughs> they made it. Because I made sure they would make it. And guess what? It was so exciting. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed, roared. There's an earthquake. It didn't say, here we are in heaven. We're not on earth. There's a quake, a great quaking, a terrible hellstorm. But we're okay because we're in the temple with the altar. The other worshipers. It's it's a really, really beautiful thing. I've never seen the book of the Revelation so beautiful as, as this. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. It's kind of like when we discovered Job, you oh. know, that it's, that it's all about Christ and the gospel. Yes. I, I, that, that was amazing. Um, are we back on or are we still, where are we at? What do you see on your screen? Um, I just see your beautiful face. Well, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, what Miss Kapow was was talking about there is um, I, last summer. I think um, uh, we we discovered a a pastor out of Oklahoma, uh, Alan Nolan. Mm-hmm. Alan Nolan, Cornerstone Church, Oklahoma. This guy's a really good teacher. He's I mean, fantastic I, he's, teacher. He's a very gifted teacher. I mean, he's, obviously, he has a gift, mm-hmm. and. Um, he has a lot of stuff on there, but he had a Job series. It's on YouTube. He had a Job series, and it just, especially the end. Yeah. Oh, because I, I never could understand Job. You know, what was this all about? And then the end just, I mean, we were just jaw on the ground. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was amazing. And because since he then, actually saw the Redeemer. Yes, my Redeemer lives. He needed a kinsman redeemer. Someone uh, that would mediate between him and God. Mm-hmm. And that was Christ Jesus. And he saw him. He saw that. He needed someone. Job was so afflicted. He needed someone that could go up to this deity, Yahweh, go up to this deity 
and say, hey, I'm speaking for a, a for humanity. This is wrong. I'm getting the heck kicked out of me. What, what what's this all about? I need somebody to stand between the gap. Um, it, it, for, it foreshadows Christ. It's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one we heard um, on Legionnaire Ministries. It's yeah. more scholarly, uh, and I forgot who did that. It wasn't R.C. Sproul. No, 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 no. Um, it was that. Um, was it Ferguson? No, no, no. It wasn't Ferguson. It was the other one. Uh, can't uh, think of the name right now. And it wasn't Steve Lawson. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, all those names we mentioned are just fantastic biblical scholars of the Reformed theology. But on Ligonier Ministries, which is R.C. Uh, uh, Sproul's uh, ministry, uh, it, Linda and I are. That's that's where our heads are at. We're that's where we're at. That's what we watch. That's what we do. Uh, there's one on Job, and I can't remember his name, but it's the book of Job, and it's it's fantastic. It's like Ellen Nolan's. It comes to the same conclusion. You know, of course, they're different teachers, and they... Yeah, different styles. Different style, different... But, but man, it's just like, you know, if, if you're suffering and you, and you want to try to get your head around suffering, you know, that's that's where you go. You go to these, these biblical texts. And you go to the people have been around and, you know, uh, that God's given them gifts to, to, to break this stuff out for us. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. So. That's it, Ms. Cabal. That's it. Ciao, baby. Good night. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield.